0: The Financial Planning South Africa podcast is intended for professional financial advisors. All discussion is limited to publicly available information and should not be interpreted as legal, professional or financial advice.
1: Hi, I'm Louis van der Merwe, Certified Financial Planner. Join me every week where I get to have discussions with global leaders in the financial planning space to help you serve your clients better and run a more efficient financial planning practice. This is
0: Financial Planners South Africa podcast. Portfolio Metrics is thrilled to bring you this podcast in support of our common passion for people and the evolution of wealth management. Our global business links precision investment management to expert financial advice through partnerships and technology. Portfolio Metrics is an authorized financial services provider. ComSpace is a revenue management solution developed specifically for independent financial advisors. It is a web based application that tracks, allocates, and manages advisor revenue. The system seamlessly reads commission statements from financial institutions and can address any permutation of commission splits. ComSpace provides mind blowing out the box revenue business intelligence and analytics, along with super flexible reporting to effectively manage and grow your business.
1: Welcome to another episode of Financial Planners South Africa. This will be the second one for the brand new year and I'm really excited to have Carmen Fenter with me. For those of you that haven't heard of Carmen Fenter, I'm pretty sure there will be very few of you. Carmen is very vocal in our industry, has a string of qualifications and if you ever want to know something, Carmen is the person to ask. She she doesn't know, she'll find out. Carmen Thanks so much for making the time to join me today.
2: Louis, thank you so much. Uh, Hello to everybody. Thank you for the invite. I really appreciate, especially speaking about a topic that is very, very a a huge passion in my life, that is financial uh, planning profession. So thank you so much. Appreciate.
1: Before we started this conversation, you were, I think, lightly bragging about the sound of the ocean behind you and kind of where you're staying Uh, Give us a little bit of a glimpse of where you are in South Africa and and how you ended up where you are right now.
2: I'm in what I call a little retirement village. It is Ramsgate. Uh, I think everybody knows the Waffle House. I'm about five kilometers away from the Waffle House, south coast, and the house, I've been so blessed. The house is about 15, uh, 15 meters away from the actual beach. So it is... A very, very different lifestyle. So Louis, I'd spend, I'm not going to tell you how many years I was in Joburg, but I spent my whole life in Johannesburg. And one day I woke up and I thought, is this where I want to live the rest of my life? It's city. Uh, I don't know, I, just, I was struggling to find any form of value in life. And I woke up one day and decided I'm going to bring my dog. And you know, I have to live with my little doggy. I decided I'm going to bring my dog down to the coast and let's just have a little bit of a holiday and something just said, sell your house, pack down, pack up and just move down and everything happened in a space of three months. Sold the house in Johannesburg, packed up, pandemic hit, so that wasn't wasn't fun, moved down to a new house and gosh, I just wish I had done it much earlier in my life, but then perhaps it wouldn't have worked out so well. So, yeah, sound of the ocean, sound of tree frogs, sound of birds. It's just, it's paradise. Total.
1: It's wonderful how you had the courage to actually just follow that uh, need and say, hey, this, I can create this life. And I think that's one of the wonderful pros within our industry, you know, even if you're client facing or, or not. How did you set up kind of income streams to allow you to create this life?
2: So, Louis, yes, I, I think I agree with you in that it was, uh, it's not something that many do because there is a huge fear factor. Um, there were many times I had to breathe and, and calm down and know that this was the right move. So, I did let all my clients know that I was going to make a move and they have the option of me moving them to my ex husband. He's also a financial planner. Uh, so then at least they have face, face-to-face or they could stay with the most beautiful financial planner ever, <laughs> uh, but to understand that I would be doing things online. And I was so fortunate, I think 90% of my clients said, oh, online is fine. We don't, we don't need to see you, you know, we know what you do, et cetera. So I was very grateful from that perspective, but that was, that was of course fearful, but I think to me. <laughs> The most fearful was my education setup. I had, up until end of 2019, only done face-to-face workshops. Although I had done online before, but my business was face-to-face. And that's what I deliver. You know, I, I want to see people's faces. I want to see their expressions. I want to be able to touch them and hug them and say, don't worry, you're going to make it. And all of a sudden to leave that behind and go online, yes basically a half the income I said goodbye to, it just had to, that had to happen. Um, and I've had to sort of rebuild it here and it's just working perfectly. I think maybe I'm one of the lucky ones that the pandemic hit. A lot of people don't enjoy the fact that the whole pandemic and the lockdowns that I was going, I'm feeling guilty because it's working for me. Uh, so I rebuild the business pretty quickly online. And I think people will be very surprised in the profession. It's not always about, you know, if I take, I can now, sorry, Louie, I know you're about to ask me the next question, but I'm just finding that I because I don't spend time traveling and because I can be easily accessible, my client knows that if they need me at seven o'clock in the evening and I don't have anything to do at seven o'clock, oh, there you are, let's do a quick zoom and we'll meet one another, that time that I would be traveling. I can now give the client. I can find out everything about the client, whether they're crying, whether they're smiling. And they just so love that. You know, um, and even if I switch off and I haven't spoken about products or financial planning, it's cool. I'm happy. The client's happy. I'm happy. And off we go. So let's not worry too much about the fear. Let's not focus there. Just always look at the end result, whats what it is we want to achieve.
1: I think it's such a wonderful case study, you know, where you've actually gone something through something, which we often plan for clients. You know, I have this major life transition and I'm moving, I'm kind of changing my income. There's a lot of moving parts. And I think your brain naturally is very analytical. You know, you have Mm -hmm. this kind of wealth of knowledge. How difficult did you find this process? Did you find that you have to plan out every single part of it? And, you know, what was what was helpful for you thinking kind of, through this process before it happened?
2: If I have to say to you, Louis, that, um, I don't plan. Sorry, I, I really don't plan. I wake up and my whole career has been like that. I mean, for clients, I plan. But for myself, I wake up and something says, oh, that that is a brilliant idea. I think it's going to work well. It's going to fit a particular market. It's going to ultimately meet my objectives. I just I just do it. I just take out a, um um writing pad and I go, okay, what are all the boxes that need to be ticked to meet that objective? You know, venues, brochures, uh, funds, whatever. I write it all down and then just tick as I go along. And I just find that I find that if I plan, so many things can go wrong and it can sort of um after a while I look at it and go, Okay, this is not it's not worth my while. And it's just too many things to worry about. Where if I just do what I've been doing and I'm I'm not going to change, um you know, this is a great idea. and Just sit down and do it. Don't think about it. The minute you start thinking about it, the negative thoughts come in and the challenges come in and the hurdles come in. You're just giving your brain too much time to think. You know, like, don't just, that's what you want to do. You just do it. And that's the ultimate thing I've been planning too
1: much for clients. Like, should we be doing more things actively and getting them that momentum? Kind of, how do we translate this to clients? Because I'm hearing a financial planner saying, Hey, I don't plan, but plan. it just sounds like you maybe plan on a different way than what would have been expected.
2: Yeah, yeah. With my clients, uh, I always say, You know what? We've got to think about tomorrow, but please let's live for today. I don't want to plan to a point where you feel that you cannot move. So it is, yes, let's look, for, let's look, uh, uh, let's look after retirement, but you know what? Let's have fun at the same time. And if the client picks up the phone and says, Carmen, you know, I I know that we've been planning for education, et cetera, but I need a little bit of money because I need to go on holiday now or I want to, whatever it is they want to do. It's not about, sorry, you can't do that. It's unfortunate you can't. To me, it's like, fine, let's take that bit of money, knowing that we have now allocated money somewhere else, let's have fun and then start all over again, like just build up again. Does that make sense, Louis?
1: You're becoming that enabler instead of saying, oh, no, no, we have to scare you into saving all your money for retirement or saving for for someone else. Because ultimately, when clients come to you, they sometimes think, oh, you're going to tell me not to spend money. You're going to tell me to do all these things. Do you think financial planning has evolved compared to how we did it 10 or 15 years ago?
2: Louis, just before the, the podcast, I uh, had a, a financial planner call me, S. Ray, I won't say the surname, but we've known one another for so many years when I started at, at Liberty Life. And we were just talking about, he eventually decided to leave the business because he just felt to we weren't doing things right anymore. And we were talking about, well, what did we do in those days that we are not doing now? And we actually agreed that... In the beginning, and I, I've been in this business now since, oh gosh, 30, 40 years. Uh, I can't even tell anymore. And we spend a lot of time with clients. We didn't have computers. We didn't have all these analysis. We just went to a client with our little rate books, etc., and we got to know our clients. Israel was saying that they never had a lapse. And, and, and Philip as well, I know them all from the Liberty days. He says, Carmen, in my 20, 30 years, I never had a lapse. The retention rate is what we concentrated on. That was our success. If someone had to say to you, well, I've written so many uh, pace, uh, new business cases or whatever those CPRs, those points are, I can't even recall what they are anymore. We would That's not what we would concentrate on. We would concentrate on what is your retention per- uh, percentage? How many of your plans that you wrote 20 years ago are still with you? And to do that, you've got to develop a relationship with your client. And it's not about, we can't just go there with an analysis and say, look, you've got a shortfall here and a shortfall there, let's plug in life insurance. It's, it's being with the client. I think we've, we've sort of lost that. And with my clients, when I'm with them, I, I, I have not lost a client unless of course, from a death perspective. It's because that when I'm sitting with them, I do not talk about financial planning. I do not talk about life insurance. I do not, I don't, I don't talk about those things. I wait for the client to talk to me. Whatever the client has in his mind, I will address. Then I start hearing about, you know what, my daughter has not put a wall together and, uh, and she's just given birth to a baby. So now I make a mental note. I don't take out a pads, sadly. Uh, I make a mental note. Okay, that becomes a problem. I'm picking up all the shortcomings of my client's life, lifestyle, objectives, etc., purely by conversing with him. That's all I'm doing. Then from that sort of conversation, you, the client starts telling you what his priorities are. That's what I find. The client tells me, Carmen, you know what? The walls is very important. Please, can you help us? Is there someone you can refer us to? Sooner or later, I get the business. But what I've done is I've created a beautiful relationship with my client. I'm addressing what the client wants. And that's where they enjoy doing business with me because it's not about the insurance. But to be honest, half of them don't even know which companies I place my business with. To them it's like, Carmen, are you sending me so much? Am I getting so much cover? Yeah, they don't know which insurance company I'm going to. That's the the relationship that, um, that we've developed. So I think I think our youngsters, the way I see them being taught, it's all about technical knowledge, um, completing an analysis, and selling as much as you can. I I don't see any form of education that we are giving our young planners. When I say young planners, I'm not necessarily talking age, um, but young planners in the profession, we are not giving them skills to deal with humans to actually start a conversation with with a, with their clients and talk about everything else about, maybe saying financial planning is the wrong word, but about insurance or about, you know what, when you die, this is going to happen. Am I making sense, Louis?
1: Absolutely, Carmen, and I, I completely agree with you. Maybe we can use this opportunity to kind of dive a little bit into and create a sort of a masterclass of how should this be done? I mean, the one thing that comes up to me is what kind of questions would you ask your clients to prompt these conversations
2: I think it's just listening I, I don't have anything prepared but then I am a slightly different person to the norm because if I don't plan for myself then you know when I go see a client I don't actually have anything planned so uh, and I, and admittedly not everybody can do what I do I'm hoping they can because you know by the time I sell it's probably six seven months down the line but I know that I've got a client for life because I'm I'm not pushing him into him or her into anything. So I will sit and chat to them and you know, I'll call in. So I will recall before I go to them, one thing I do do is just go back to their file and, and look at what was our last conversation, what was he concerned about last time. And then when I see them the second time around, I'll recall. I say, okay, so you had that uh, concern last time. Did you manage to sort it out? I'll, I'll give you a small example. Just recently, my client had to uh, get a trustee to resign from his trust, so I referred him to the to attorneys, et cetera, to do that. And I haven't heard anything. So when I went to see him, that's the first thing I said, James. So did you manage to to remove that trustee? And then they tell me about all the problems. They haven't removed the trustee, and I start talking about do you know the difficulties. If you start any form of transactions in that trust without the other trustee being involved then they'll start no comment i didn't realize that and i'm like please can i see your trustee he shows me the trustee i start reading the provisions and the trustee while i'm doing that i'm starting to see a lot of opportunities okay then i write down those opportunities and say well you know client were you aware of this no i didn't know well this is the impact so can you see that It's not being planned. I'm just taking the concerns he had last time, asking him about those concerns. Have they been addressed? Have they not been addressed? And because of the knowledge I have, I know then what documents to ask for or uh, which questions will lead me to, you know, to business or to the next conversation. And I find, you must remember, Louis, when I started this, when I started in the financial planning profession, which was at Liberty Life, which I love them to bits, not being biased, but There was a tick box. There was a framework. When you see a client, this is what you do. This is what you say. And please don't forget, by the time you finish seeing the client, you ask for five referrals because you need to keep your business going. Make sure it doesn't exceed 45 minutes. This is the framework that, you know, because I came in much later than everybody else. But this is the framework that we were expected to work in. And I lasted two years. I said, I I can't do this. I I don't like this profession I don't want to do this anymore because how can you work in a framework like that? And growing in this profession, falling in love with it, I just thought to myself, just be who I am. I must just be who I am. The client loves you. Not, not all these airs and graces and you know and that's what I am all about. My clients just enjoy I, I can't say my clients love me because it sounds very egotistical. But they just enjoy my manner of presenting financial planning. It sounds like the
1: quality of your interactions is in a manner where you are solving problems or you're helping them to unpack their problems and, and fix that. And, you know, the story that you're telling about getting into the insurance space, being really frustrated, uh, considering your options is one that I've heard many times on this podcast. I want to, ever uh, talk you through kind of that step of when you made the decision to leave Liberty, um, what went through your thinking process there? Uh, was it very similar to you moving out and saying, "Cool, I just need to take some action and take the leap of of faith"? Did you have something set up that you moved towards?
2: So when I joined Liberty, I was actually in the in internal staff. I wasn't a financial planner at the time. So I've done some drastic steps in my lifetime now that I think about it, and. Um, for many years, one of the areas I was responsible for was to help clients, you know, walk-in clients to make sure that they were addressed, especially on the claim side. And there were so many women, there really were so many women who would come in there crying and uh, needing help was not only a death claim, but not realizing what their husbands um, had been doing during their lifetime, the debt that they had created. There's just so many things that, they came, that came to light when their husbands died. And that was so very traumatic for me because I was going, I've got to help these women. So I left as an internal staff member, and then I became a financial planner. But there again, it was that, well, you know, it, it's the, um, well, there was that fear, of course, I'm leaving a salaried empl- employment to uh, go into commission, not knowing a thing about life insurance, I was internal. But the drive there was—you see, this is the thing—is the drive to help people, the drive to be able to educate women. That's when I started education as well. I co-founded a 21st Century Woman with one of my uh, attorney friends, and that—that that was to help women understand financial planning, to understand business, how to establish whether husbands in on in debt or not, what their next steps. Is. So. That is what pushed me into financial planning, was this traumatic events of these women. They were so lost. My heart just broke for them. So that's what made me move into financial planning. But then I was still with Liberty. And what made me go independent was, um, you know, it came a stage where Liberty said, look, you, you've got to only be a financial planner. You can't be a financial planner and a tax planner and uh, heaven knows what else because you are working under our, um, our logo. And I thought, okay, there's another framework. I can't work within frameworks. I need to be as free as possible. You're
1: not fitting the mold, Carmen. You're breaking not. the system.
2: <laughs> that's it. Like that's what I do all the time. And there again, I, uh, there again, and this is what I say to financial planners, don't be afraid of your move. I gave up everything I earned with Liberty as an agent to move into my own space and build it up again. And here I am 30, 40 years later. So don't be afraid of breaking the mold. Don't be afraid of moving. You can build it up again. It's the passion that is important. It's the love for the client and not necessarily the love for the product or the love of the money. Sorry, I'm saying this, but we all do, of course, need finance. We need money, but it will follow. It will follow. If you you follow your passion, it will follow concentrate on the client.
1: I love that kind of reinvention and and going out and actually doing it. I mean, one of the greatest compliments that I get is you don't look like a financial planner. <laughs> oh,
2: yeah, it's beautiful. There's <laughs> uh, probably not on a suit with a tie and, you know.
1: I left the tie behind uh, a while ago. Um, is is there not enough creativity in our profession? or people not living out these different ways of Kind of expressing themselves as financial planners or ap- as professionals, or is it? You think it's frowned upon to do something like that?
2: I think it's frowned upon. I think, I'll, and I'll talk about. Look, I, I do do something. I do do different to financial planning in terms of the profession itself. Um, so, so I'll sort of explain. So, I have sort of st- I've studied um, specialized kinesiology, which is all about holistic uh, healing. And and on the other side, on the financial planning, in a very uh, finance money, uh, you know, there's no energy, there's no holistic healing over there. I find that we in the financial planning profession, there's an expectation, there's an expectation for you to always look your best. There's an expectation that no one knows your weaknesses. There's an expectation that you're always doing well. So concentrate on, on material stuff, you've got to be tough, it's, you just can't do that. You can't do that. There's just, you've got to be who you are. I was told by someone many years back, when I started the education side, I was told, you will never tell anyone your areas of weaknesses. And I was going, well, I don't see that as a weakness. I just don't see it as an area that I, I'm passionate about, all that. Maybe my brain is not designed to go mathematical, let's just say. I found that strange. Why would I not why should I not tell people areas that are not my strengths? Why must I hide that? But you see, that's what the, the professional expects. You have to be good at everything. Just don't let everybody don't let anyone know what you're not good at. Because that's weakness. And this is how we are seen by our clients. Our clients do see us. That's why, Lou, you're saying that, you know, you don't look like a financial planner. Our clients see this person that, you know, probably doesn't have a smile. And if you do have a smile, it's, you, it's not real. We need to change. We need to change. We need to show our clients that we are human. We are human. And we've got our own dreams and our own likes and dislikes. And so, yeah, Lou, yeah, I do think. If I now look at the specialized kinesiology side, which is the more realistic, I'm like, it is so beautiful to go from financial planning during the week to kinesiology in the weekend because it's like a totally different space. We are who we are. We talk about our um, disappointments. Uh, you know, if you want to cry amongst 20 people, you cry, no one judges you. Two totally different worlds. And yet we're the same person.
1: I mean, I think what you're starting to touch on is kind of that... The way you're showing up and how that's impacting your clients. And this is something Mary Martin talks about a lot. You know, just being there, being present, and bringing your true self can already change a client relationship. What can we learn from the work that you're doing in this holistic healing and bringing that into the financial planning space? You know, you're now mentioning don't look like a soldier that's going to war with a mission to maybe sell a product. Um, What else is there that? really strikes you as contrasting that might be obvious with someone for your training?
2: You know, look, kinesiology actually talked to me a lot about um, my relationship with my clients. And since I started that, I've been far more relaxed as well, because there's a module that actually teaches you to uh, speak to a person. And the holistic healing side is I'm really having to delve very, very deeply into your emotions to the point where you're prepared to actually tell me every traumatic event that you've had in your life. So that's one of the modules that we are trained on. And I've used that, try and use that with my clients. And I actually find that it's it's, it's amazing. I've, I'm have i far closer to my clients than, than ever before, to the point that the client even tells me, why wow, you dress the way you dress. Put on your sandals. Give her a pair of shorts. Can you see the, the change in... Um, in relationship there, it's, it's just been a total fundamental change. And I think financial planners, you know, I was taught by a financial planner many years ago as well. So I've been taught a lot of lessons. Is take a look at your client. If your client is a farmer, you dress like a farmer. You don't turn up there with, uh, you know, your suit and things like that. Just be like him. And then when you are with that client, you're going to understand everything about farming. Talk about farming, never talk about yourself. Ask questions that makes him passionate about his profession because you're going to get far more information if you do that. So to me, it's more, you know, Hugh Louie, I think you've just wrapped it up in going just be you, listen to the client, look at the client, listen to the client, ask the client questions about the client's feelings, their emotions. You know, I'll easily say, you don't look good today, you look tired. Why don't you take a break? Or you don't. You don't even have makeup. It's such a difference when you don't have makeup. You see, I'm I'm getting to the client. I'm coming personal with the client. Louis, you're, you're me the your... same thing all the time because I keep coming back to you. Know it's like listening to the client. It's just being with the client. I'm trying to find a different way of putting it together, but it's just being you.
1: It's being you. And as you just said, that kind of mirroring that person. You know, if you are with this person, dressed this kind of way. Mm-hmm. I, I think that might be part of the problem. We're almost ingrained or kind of trained to do whatever it is to, you know, potentially close the sale, make that person feel better. But what you're saying is just show up the way you are. Don't disrespect the relationship, but actually be that authentic self. And if if that maybe doesn't resonate with a client, well, there's many other financial planners and there's many other clients. How difficult has it been for you to maybe turn away from relationships that didn't work can you tell me a little bit about client relationships that didn't work out well maybe at the beginning maybe in the middle maybe at the end
2: difficult question because uh, I can only recall of two that didn't work out well Uh, one was a um, client who went out for dinner she I I can't recall the whole thing but she went out for dinner came back at about 11 o'clock in the evening Send me a uh, message, which I only responded the next day. And she was very, very angry that I was not available for her at 11 o'clock to deal with whatever issue she had. I said to her, Is that, is that your expectation of She said, Yes. I said, Well, then we're going to have to terminate our relationship because I'm not going to do that. That's totally disrespectful. And that was the end of that. The other one was actually a client a corporate client that was unhappy with me they were a very very small company and I was doing everything that I felt I could but one of the principal officers didn't just we just clashed from a personality perspective from day one Uh, he didn't like me so he was making it very difficult but I was trying very hard so this was at the beginning I was trying very hard to be what the client expected me to be. And I wasn't getting it right. And then he just phoned me up one day and said, um, we don't want you as a financial planner anymore. It was a huge shock because to me it was going, but I've, I've really worked hard. I've tried to be who you wanted me to be. And um, there you are, I still got fired. It was a shock, but it taught me that I, I can only be who I am. And, and as, as a result of that being fired by a client, to me firing a client because she was asking me to be something or someone that I could not be. I was, I couldn't. So those are the two. Those are the two only occasions that I, I think that we ended a relationship. All the others have just, you know, been natural death. the country, but otherwise, no, Louie, I
1: haven't. It fits faced- in so nicely, hey, with what we're talking about, showing up authentically, but also someone expecting something that you're not willing to give? Like, do you think we spend enough time talking about those expectations or maybe unsaid expectations? In the coaching world, they talk about contracting, saying, okay, these are these are the rules of engagement. It's not okay for us to send messages at 11 o'clock unless it's an emergency. Or maybe it is. Maybe that's your, your role um, in your relationship. How have you crafted that and kind of solidified that? Or do you find that the clients that you're attracting now are people that just intuitively understand you because you show up more authentic.
2: Louis, I'm 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 so very, very fortunate. The the clients are that are the clients are referred to me. I'm not looking for clients, which which is always nice. So the clients are being referred to me by my clients. So yes, I'm finding that, you know, it's the same sort of um, network. that that I'm sort of involved with, okay? So if I have a client who loves who Carmen is and the work that Carmen does and the manner, then he's going to refer me to someone who obviously is going to enjoy the same form of relationship. So I'm very fortunate from that perspective. But um, you were asking me, you were saying something earlier on as you were asking me this question and I wanted to answer, you know, if you had to say to a financial planner who's been in this profession for a very long time and has built up a good book, I think that financial planner will be very comfortable to tell a client, "This is the framework you're going to work within." I.e., you know, I'm only available from eight o'clock until five o'clock. Uh, you know, provide the, those um, those limits. Take a young person, young, not again age, but a youngster who's come into our profession, knowing very well what the expectation is, and that is um, new business. you know our providers do that to our financial planners I don't enjoy it, I wish it could change, but if you do not sell so many policies at the end of the year, you are we're going to terminate your contract now you tell that person who's trying very hard to build a client base and to retain the client base that you're going to tell your client please don't call me at 11 o'clock at night he's not going to do it he's going to allow it because it means that I get that client and I can sell then I'm going to meet my contract and that becomes the problem because we're setting those the client starts expecting that and you get to a point the planner gets to a point where how do you now change it You've dug yourself a hole, you can't get out of it because you've got to keep those clients going, gotta keep your your um, contract going. And there's no one out there that comes in to teach them one, not even to get into that space, because as they come in, we just we just throw them into courses about products and sell and that's it. There's no one well, I haven't come across anyone really who can walk that financial planet to The position that he must be, should be in, and that is for clients to respect you as a planner, but at the same time, you are giving your client far more than just an analysis with products. I really, my heart really goes out to young financial planners, and yet it is the most rewarding profession I've ever come across. There is nothing like seeing a client. You know, just doing something for the client—the client just got a smile on their face. Just Louis, Just recently, I put um, uh, a post on LinkedIn about a client that I'd seen so many years ago, um, but I had to help them create debt. The art, the case law was about, well, rather, the article was about debt is not so bad. And I recall when I started this profession. If a financial planner had to get any client into debt, you're in big trouble. You just, you know, the plan is to get the client out of debt, not into debt. And um, a marriage counselor referred a couple to me. I don't know why she did that, but she did. the couple were divorcing because of financial problems, not because they didn't have enough. They probably had a lot. But and this is where Kim Potkita would come in because I picked up that she did not want to spend money. She wanted to hold on to all her money. And he, on the other hand, was happy to spend everything in one day because it was the, I live for today and the other one was, I live for tomorrow. And I'd actually met Kim Kotkita by that time. And I knew all about this financial behavioural thing. I didn't always believe in it or sometimes I kind of go, I doubt it, but it worked for me thanks to Kim. She's very aware of this. And I picked up that this came from the parents. Okay, so the, the teaching was really from the parents. And what I had to do is I had to really listen to the plan. Now, you must understand, yes, clients that were sent to me, under no circumstance am I going to sell anything to them. Okay, my responsibility was to get them to ensure that they remained devo- uh, uh, married and that they understood finance. They understood how to manage their finances. Again, nothing to do with life insurance, it was a bit of a.
1: Common was that also their expectation of this relationship?
2: They didn't know what to expect. Okay. They just know that they went to a financial planner, but I was told by the counselor-
1: You're going to fix the marriage now.
2: you got to, yeah, you got to do something. They're going to divorce. I, I, I didn't know what to do, but in, in chatting about why do you feel like this? And why do you feel like that? And why do you think that's the problem? And you know, asking these type of questions, i eventually discovered that she wanted him to save for tomorrow. And he wanted her to spend for today, a balance. And I had to actually go outside of all my teachings as a financial planner and say, okay, for you, I'm going to create debt. For you to see that debt can actually be managed. That's not a bad thing. You just need to know how to manage it. But it does help you accumulate wealth. And then with the other individual, I'd say to him, you can spend as much as you want. But for every rand you spend... You are going to save the same for tomorrow. And Louis it worked. I mean, I I wrote on the LinkedIn, um, and I didn't sell insurance at all, by the way. (laughs) For five years thereafter, I had her phone to say, I just want to let you know, we are still married. I have managed to buy another house, which we are renting. It's my responsibility to look after the budget. They were happy because all I addressed was their emotion and their thought patterns about what money was all about. And this is the beauty of this profession. So all those planners out there who think that this is just very scientific and it's all about new business and you know, sooner or later, I can tell you now you are going to want to get out of this profession because it can be soul-destroying if that is all you do. But if you live, if you walk the past with your plant from the beginning until the end, until they die, hopefully they die before you. Hey? But do for them, look after them, listen to them and just work for them not for your uh, insurance provider not for your employer i know i'm going to get a lot of people being very angry with me but if you walk with your plans with passion and understanding and patience you will build a beautiful business and it will be successful and the finance and the, the rewards will come along with it but you have to start right at the beginning just loving your plants, working common i want to know from
1: from this these interactions that you had with specifically with this couple right so it's you came up with something that most financial planners would probably not come up with you know you you gave them a elegant solution how difficult was it for them to actually take action because what we see a lot is that you know we might have the right solution or a solution but for a client to take that step and actually implement it, actually go out and say, okay, cool, I am I am saving a bit more. I am getting myself to spend. What do you think the trigger was in your conversation for them to actually take action now on, on something that's maybe relatively rudimentary, like you need to save, spend a bit more and you need to save a bit more?
2: It was it was follow-up and reporting back. So we would say uh, by next week, we're meeting together, they basically lived in my house because they used to come to my house. So I would say, um, by next week, you have opened up a credit card with a facility of a thousand rand. So I need to see that card with you, et cetera. Then with the individual, I would say, by, you know, so we would actually have timelines that things had to be addressed. And I was
1: it's a super granular and, and accountability around those actions.
2: And I was, I was following up every single time, every single time. So they had to, I wasn't really kind, they had to commit because I was saying to them, I'm committing my time, I'm finding ways to help you, I'm committed to this process, I want I want this to work but you've got to be as committed. If you, if you have a client who also wants those very same objectives but you need to know what that objective is, that's the thing, can't be yours, it's got to be theirs but if the client wants to address that objective, or if they wanted to save their marriage, they will commit, they will work for it. But if you just say, okay, fine, look, we're going to have to save for education, but they don't really have that, okay, fine, I'm going to have to put a policy in place for education, sooner or later, they're going to probably cash in that policy because they weren't really committed to it. So it's a very, very, it's, that's, that is perhaps the only time where I actually truly do plan. But I don't do it like, you know, in six months' time. You no, know, six months' time is not going to happen because that's too far away. It is next week we're going to see one another. In two weeks' time we're going to see one another. So it, it is time-consuming, Louis. It is. But it's helped me be in the position I'm in at the moment. I mean, it's probably not too
1: different from helping a student come up with a process to understand content, you know, through the work that you do in Synergia it's very, it strikes me how similar it actually is where you break down a complex or relatively complex situation into bite-sized actionable steps and, and you hold someone's hand through that
2: process. It's most definitely, they've got to see the picture. Um, I, d- I didn't actually realize how close it actually is what I do in financial planning and what I do in education. But let's just take education. I, I had to study. I threw myself into studies many years before I, I started lecturing and had great difficulty. So I have to work very hard for every bit of knowledge that I have at the moment in my brain that I can remember. And I had to find ways to address that area of study that I wasn't very good at. I had to find ways to study and to remember. And I found that if I had to break everything down and draw, have a little drawing, If I could, okay, so if it was a process, I would draw the process. So I would turn everything into pictures, break it down, turn it into pictures, because now I can actually see what I'm studying rather than just words. I was finding that that worked for me. And that's how I actually got into the whole education. Again, thanks to Kim Kothita, because she was a student of mine and she started my career actually, her and another lady, Estelle. Because while we were studying, they noticed how I was trying to show them as a small group, how to actually tackle something that is so overwhelming. Okay, CFP is overwhelming and advanced is overwhelming. So if you tackle everything in one go, it's it's just impossible. And um, it worked, it worked. And I started developing this huge career in education. Purely because I was assisting students to break it down into smaller components, understand that component before you move on. If you don't understand it, don't move on because it's not going to work. So yes, quite right. It's very similar to what I do with my clients. Actually, I didn't, I didn't realize that. Thank you so much, Lini. Uh That I do. I take the their life, everything they want to do in their life. And I do break it down little bit by little bit. This is what we can achieve in the next month. And this is what we can achieve a couple of months down the line, etc. So, So yes, and it's been successful. It's
1: easier to see that from the outside. You now, for me to make that observation, it's a, it's a lot easier than for you to come up with that observation. I guess we, we, we live in our own world so much that we can't see our own blind spots and we can't observe ourselves. So it's really difficult to do that.
2: Because yes, I, hadn't, I hadn't noticed that before, actually, to to be honest. Um, I think it's because of the way I approach things. I just throw myself into it. It has to be done, find the best way of doing it, and just go out there and deliver it. That I haven't sat back and thought, you know, am I following the very same patterns stretch clients and vice versa? But, yeah, thank you, Nui. I've learned something new today.
1: I'm, I'm really grateful to have that. <laughs> What's on the horizon for you? Is there anything you're working on or? new challenges that you're taking up or will will it be expanding on the existing
2: base yes well i'm going to be working with um with a fantastic gentleman emmon who is very client-centric and i'm sure i can mention his name yeah because he has put on on linkedin so uh becky Temba, i'm sure you know becky Temba. he has just formed his own um consultancy Citra consultancy I worked at momentum before so I am busy with momentum bring training for very upcoming um, graduates very excited about that I'm trying to teach them not only about the technical aspects of financial planning but also you know the soft issues which no one really teaches so I'm doing that and then with Becky and uh, Citra consultancy we also are looking at developing some programs to address um many things not only financial literacy but financial coaching the whole technical aspect of financial planning as well and and much much more i'm not going to go into too much of that because i think becky timber can actually explain that far better and i am going to uh, continue my um, specialized kinesiology to specialize in human healing and of course in animal healing the animal always has to come in there so those are the two paths that I'm following at the moment.
1: That is wonderful. Oh, Becky was a guest not too long ago on the show, and uh, what a great gentleman. It's I'm lovely. sure it'll be a very successful venture.
2: It will be. I, I love his vision. I love what he's doing for the profession. It's just synchronicities. I mean, like it's just works so well. We have the same objective. He's obviously just far better at knowing how to achieve those than, than I am. I just want to let's develop what we need to develop and if we educate So I'm very excited about that.
1: Thank you so much for today's conversation. I think it's been a masterclass in listening to a client, showing up authentically, breaking down those complex elements, and, and most of all, that accountability that we bring to the relationship and kind of creating action steps and, and taking that leap of faith. Thank you for showing up authentically to your clients and, and making a difference in their lives.
2: Louis, thank you so much for being back. I enjoyed it, really did. I've learned one or two things about myself as well today. So thank you so much for that. And yeah, financial planners, just just have fun. Enjoy what you are doing and yeah, concentrate on the client. It's very, very rewarding. Thank you so much, Louis.